time for another episode of Pats from the Past podcast. Matt Smith alongside Brian Mori. Pleased to be joined today by former Patriot wide receiver, Super Bowl MVP, Dion Branch. Dion, how you doing? Doing pretty good, man. Thank you all for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, well, sorry. let's before we get into a lot of uh, in and out football stuff, let's try to. Uh, I think the fans would want to know what are you up to these days. Oh man, just daddy daycare. You know, just taking care of the house. You know, assuming all the duties that my wife were taking care of while I was playing ball. You know, spending my time running around having fun. Basically, that's what they think it is. We're just having a lot of fun, uh, and it's not work. But mainly, that's it, man. Daddy daycare, uh, here and there, helping out on the high school football team. You know, I'm just not getting myself involved with that. But early on, was in. I'm heavily involved in a lot of real estate. So that's mainly, that's basically it. Are you, you, know? love, are you loving think, life? Oh, I'm loving life. I'm loving life. My family's amazing. Everybody's healthy. My mom, dad, sisters, my wife, my kids. Uh, that's the most important thing in my life, you know. Uh, they're healthy, so I'm happy. Is real estate blowing up out in in the Midwest the way it is here in New England? It's blowing up everywhere. And, you know, right now it's either you're one of the ones who are selling and you're extra happy and you're <laughs> sort of pissed if you're a buyer right. because you're going to overspend for the property. So, you know, and if you're an uh, investor like myself, it's more of a, uh, I'm a little pissed now because cribs that we were buying for 80, 90,000 and put like 50, 60 in it. We got to spend now 150 for the home. It's almost double, which is the craziest thing ever. Um, but on the resale side, sometimes you may get it back. A lot of times you may just make about 20, 30,000, you know, which is good money. I'm not saying it's bad money. Um, you look at some of the flips that we've done the last, within the last, what, six months, you know, our profit margin is a little bit smaller than what it usually is. Mm-hmm. And that's the crazy part. So now we're trying to be a little bit more, uh, try to get ahead of the curve, try to figure out ways to go around this and defeat this uh, this inflation that we're having in the real estate market. So should we be reintroducing you as Dion Branch real estate <laughs> mogul? <laughs> hey, wait, do you, do you own any wish. cryptocurrency? <laughs> we could... hey, yeah, I do. Crypto I do. investor? Yes, I'm invested. I'm heavily in that as well. You know. Myself and like I just got a phone call with one of my business partners. Uh, he's one of my partners, so I like to bring in all my friends, all my childhood friends. I try to put a group together, and y'all just put like, hey, let's bring five hundred to the table. Da da da. It's ten guys in the group, so that's a great investment to start off at, to start off with, and then we just continue to invest in it. So as of now, that Doji thing is looking real good for us. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, I didn't get involved with the Bitcoin. Did you guys make it? Did you, uh, did you I, I have I have no. a very small amount in Bitcoin, so I'm up about a thousand bucks. Good for you. Okay, all right, you you good? But that's yeah. all. Good. No, I didn't I didn't jump did into the Dogecoin. When did you invest in it though? Uh, well, around so I had Litecoin initially. Okay. I had a couple of those, and I I transferred that into Bitcoin probably when it was about twelve thousand. Wow. And then I bought again at like twenty, and again at forty, but like a hundred dollars at a time. Like okay, I so got I'm you. not like you know I don't have the kind of dough that <laughs> if I had that amount of dough I would have bought it a lot a long time ago. Exactly. Well, you know, Dogecoin's up like twelve thousand percent. I don't have any of that. Right. Right. Oh, you don't? I mean, it's still good right now. It's under a dollar, so it's still probably good to jump in. Yeah, I gotta I gotta do some more Real homework time. on that. Right. Right. Just do it. Trust me. I mean, I think it's the same thing. Advice what people were saying about Bitcoin and everybody's like, nah, you know, and clearly I'm going to be honest. I don't know why my investor never, my CPA, your financial advisor, they just don't advise these things. Uh, oh, it's a hit or miss. My buddy, you know, it's a hit or miss thing. My buddy who I do not have money invested with, uh, I should say, he's he's all into Bitcoin. He says when it gets to 100,000, I'm retiring. He's done, huh? And he's got, Ooh. he puts his clients in it. Like, not not heavily, but mm-hmm. it's part of their portfolio. Interesting. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm a, you know, me and the guys, we're going to go pretty heavy. We're just going to continue going into this doji thing pretty deep. Uh, you know, you're talking about, your guy's talking about 100,000. We just wanted to get up to 10,000. And then we'll be doji great. We, yeah. We, yes, we bought in at, uh, what, four cents? Three, oh, four so cents? You've already made a bundle. Nice. You get what I'm saying? So it's pretty good. good it's for okay. You. Good for yes, you, Yes, sir. Good for you. Yes, sir. So let's turn our attention now uh, back to football here a little bit. And Dion, mm-hmm. at, you know, 
pro-style offense when you got to Louisville after the two mm-hmm. years at GAC. Yep. When, when did you think the NFL was a realistic option for you? Uh... You know, real talk, I wasn't thinking, I wasn't saying like, yeah, I'm going to make it. I mean, we all have the same dreams. Every kid that's playing high school ball and you go to go to college. So when I got to junior college, it was more starting, I was starting to really truly believe and start training myself, preparing myself for that next level outside of just preparing myself for college. You know, when I got to L, that's when I actually saw the light. When I was there, my, cause I redshirted my first year there. Um, when I noticed some of the players that were on the team that were getting drafted, that's when it done on me. I'm like, okay, I'm not judging these guys, but I know the type of work that I put in and what they were putting in at that particular time, and they made it. You know, it's a lot of luck involved with it as as well. So, real talk, that red shirt year was probably my. That's when the light bulb went off. You know, and I really just continually just honed in on everything as far as with my training. Um, my thought process and trying to start doing things the correct way to kind of mold myself for the NFL draft. So I would say probably in 1999. Yeah, yes, what, in 90. I know that's crazy, right? It's crazy. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'll, I'll say in 99, that's when it really sunk in. And I was like, I, I really have a chance. I probably can do this. So you that, know. Th- that offense you played in, though, was, as yep. Matt mentioned, a pro-style offense. Mm-hmm. You came into the league – as sort yep. of a polished route runner, did, yep. did your time at Louisville, do you think, really help you prepare for quick success in the NFL? Yes, and I, and I you know, give a lot of credit to, you know, John L. Smith, my head coach, uh, Scott Linehan, uh, who's a brilliant guy, I mean, which we already know, he was in the NFL for many years, and yep. I think he's still there. I think uh, he was a guy that, that kind of helped mold myself and along with all the other receivers that were, draft, that were drafted within that time frame. Uh, he did a real good job. The only thing that I would say that that was so crazy for me uh, was the, to start picking up all the sight adjustments and the hots and all these things. In college, they already have these things built in, you know, and you don't have to worry about that, um, you know, in the NFL, especially in New England's offense. Uh, the quarterback and the receivers have to be on the same page, you know, and that's at all times built based on certain play calls. And And if you're not... But so my first year, my rookie season, it couldn't have been the worst year. It may look real good to like to the fans, like, oh, this kid is he's this and that. I had my fair share. And you know, I really um really want to give Brian Dayball a lot of credit. Cause he was a very young receiver coach. And I was like his his first piece that he really get to work with. And this guy was on me day in, day out. It got to the point where I was just so I wasn't frustrated. I understood, but I was I felt like he was just really just nagging. I'm like, what is going on? This can't be life. You know, <laughs> this guy wake up, he just wanna talk Dion, he wanna talk football. Dion, what is this right here? I sent you this um such and such on the on the drive. Did you see it? Yes, sir. What did you notice about all the defenders? It was like he was I was his understudy. And he did a great job with me. I really give that guy a lot of credit. My rookie season training camp. Training camp was the hardest two months for me. It was every day, all day, preparing me for that Pittsburgh game and all these different things these guys are going to do. And by the time we got to the game, everything was so easy for myself because of the things that Brian had taught me for those two months. I mean, he literally gave it to me. We went through and throughout the playbook. And, um, but being a part of UofL and then leading and getting with Brian Dayball, that really set everything apart. So when you say that in college that was built in, how yeah. h- how is it built in when you get to the line of scrimmage and there's a blitz that <laughs> coming that maybe you guys didn't expect? How is it built into the offense? Right. So in within that offense with Coach Lindenham, we'll have if we in a uh, two by two set. You have maybe two deeps and you got one in- intermediate route and an actual a short route. That is the built-in. That is the hot. Okay. If, if Dave or Chris Redman wants to throw that guy the ball, if he has a blitz coming, he automatically goes to that actual short route. You, you get what I'm saying? Yes. So on every pass play, we had that built-in built in the actual play. So we didn't have to worry about it. So that's what I'm saying. Like We never did any side adjustments, any hot adjustments in college at all. It was already built in. We didn't have to, hey, 
Chris, I mean, um, Dave, uh, Dave Ragone didn't have to come to the line of scrimmage. As you see Tom point out the mic, and then from there you start counting the guys, the defenders that you know you're, you're hot off or you're just off of. We didn't have to worry about that. You mentioned, Dion. you know, well, I think the fans might say it looked good in 2002, but how yeah. tough the year was and everything like that. I yes. think one of the things that, you know, you were laughing about 1999, boy, is that crazy. So <laughs> I, I bring up 2002 and isn't this crazy because Still crazy. there hasn't been another Dion Branch since 2002, Dion, And it's not your yes, job sir. to say why, but uh-huh. but they there doesn't seem to be in the organization. They've tried. They've taken swings but they can't seem to draft a wide receiver that comes in and can be productive and learn like you did and can contribute like you did right yes, out of the shoot. Yes, what does that mean, Dan? Does it mean that this offense is so difficult? Because yeah. as a fan, you look around and you go, wow, look at John Jefferson this year for Minnesota or look at DK Metcalf and these guys yeah. being able to come in. What is it about New England's offense that makes it so challenging and to, to bring a guy in and develop him? Yes, sir. Well, I, I attribute a lot of the stuff, like I said, to Coach Lindenham. I'm going to be honest with you. Nowadays, if you go to some of these colleges, you really get to see some of these guys and the way they're being coached now versus how we were coached in the, back in the days. It's totally different. You know, uh, like I said, I'm not talking about none of these kids. I'm not ragging on them, but I, they're just not being properly taught the right way. Um, whether they come in and everybody's a star now. You get what I'm saying? So they feel like everything has to be done their way. And a lot of these programs are catering to these kids instead of actually teaching them. They're allowing these kids to run the program. Now you got kids who are trying to leave school after two, three years. Like, I mean, listen, you're not fully developed. You haven't been taught. And to be honest, you really don't know how to play the game the right way. You follow me? So, and I'm not saying that's everybody, but you, you'll, like you're saying, you point out the DKs and the Jeffersons. There's going to be a kid here is going to stick out and he's going to stick out here. You know, you look at AJ Brown, these guys have been taught the right way at Ole Miss, you know, DK and the guys at LSU. Um, and then you look at it like some of the guys that come from at that particular time, Louisville was a conference USA. That was our, you know, our conference, but we stood out within our conference and that's all, all the credit goes to the coaching and they actually instilled certain things in the players and, and they did a great job. So if, you, if you're asking me, really, Troy and I talk about this all the time. Like, how is it that these kids are at these so-called big programs, but then they get to the NFL and they can't convert things? Well, that's because they are not being taught the right way still. You know, a lot of these programs are letting these kids just get away with anything. And, it, and it's setting them up for failure, though. So it's, it's truly setting them up. So when they get here, the, mm-hmm. the, the investment to try yes. to get them up to speed is so hard to do that by the yeah. time a kid is a year, two years in, he's still swimming to try to get uphill to try to catch up. And by that point in time, you know, let's let's take a flyer here on a veteran who's been in the league for three or four years, and this guy actually knows how to block downfield and knows right. root trees and everything like that. Is is yeah. I, I, my words, not yours, but is that kind of what you're up against because they're so underdeveloped at the collegiate level. Right. And that, and that's the problem, you know, so just even I can piggyback off that, what you were just saying, by the time they get to the NFL, they are who they are. The player is who he is. That's just the bottom line. You can't really change somebody who's in their twenties. Oh, I'm going to make this guy, I'm going to take a, a slide guy and make him an outside receiver. Not nowadays. You, you get what I'm saying? He is who he is. These, these are, his attributes and this what he brings to the table. We can't add nothing else to it. I feel bad. I'm so I'm so sorry to say that, mm-hmm. but that's just what it is. Um, and it's unfortunate, you know. Like you saying, these programs, these organizations invest so much into these individuals, uh, but they're not getting it back. They're not getting the return on it. And um, yeah, you know, if you got 25 receivers getting selected in this year's draft, maybe. Four or five of these guys may stick out, and it's sad, but that's just the nature of it. And I know it's more than 25 guys that's right. uh, getting drafted, right. but I'm just giving you that number. Even if it's 60 guys, it's probably still going to be about four or five guys that's going to stick out. And you can see, okay, and I'm talking including first-round picks now as well. Right. They may not be included in that four guys. You, you follow me? So yeah. that, that makes it even worse, right? But 
but but yeah, I, I just I give all the credit to our coaches and, and you know look at things how things were done in the past. That's just the difference. So when a guy comes in here though, and and you know I'm kind of referring to Nikhil, but not specifically yeah. to Nikhil. I, I agree. But you come in and you miss training camp nine games of your rookie season. Then you go into your second season and COVID hits and you have no training camp. And now he's in that next off season where it's still a bit of a shell of what is normal. Mm -hmm. How difficult is it for that kid to develop? Yes, that's going to be difficult, especially with all the things he was stacked up against, you know, from his rookie season to the COVID year till last season. And then whatever happens after that, Uh, he was one of those, those projects that needed that time and that work you know, from the receiver coaches to be really working, truly working with this guy. And, you know, not putting all this on the coaches because, you know, any player, i.e. Nikhil, yeah. he has to invest him time, his time in his craft to get better, you know. But it doesn't help him if he's injured and then we have a whole season of nonsense, uh, but not making any excuses for anyone else because it's been done elsewhere. Why is it that these guys over here can do it? Well, this offense expects certain things out of, the receiver position and the guys that we bring in and we trust that these guys are going to go out on the field and do X, Y, Z, what we're teaching them. Well, who knows? I mean, he was at where Arizona state It's totally different, totally different. The, the offense is completely different. Um, and, and listen, listen, fellas, I, I know you guys know that offense is very complex, you know, and you can see it where, I mean, I'm still watching the guys. I watch the team every week. You can see it where Josh try to, dumb it down for the some of the guys and it's still just not there and you know josh want to open up the entire playbook especially when tom was there you know uh you can just see some of the same plays being repeated after you know six seven times in the game and that's what we got to just do what we can do for what we have right now yeah you mentioned dion you know how challenging training camp was your rookie year yeah um the team is Mm -hmm. coming off their first super bowl championship you know, so you're a wide-eyed kid. You know, you don't nothing. Yeah. You're trying to keep your head above water. Did you get any sense in that camp, like, wow, these are the defending champs, or any sort of vibe, right. yeah. that, vibe that, wow, these are the defending champs, or did you just think, this is a pro football team. I got to try to keep my head above water. What was your thought yeah. in mind or, and with regards to the team and how they were um, trying to move forward uh, off of yeah. that championship? Well, I was super excited. That's the first thing, you know, just to even be drafted by the Patriots. Um, me personally, the player I am, the type of individual I am, I'm just trying to be a sponge. I'm coming in. I got Troy and David Patton ahead of me. I couldn't have had a better a better receiver leaders. You know, these guys still my brothers to this day. I'm very thankful to be a part of that group with those guys. They taught me so much. So, like I was speaking about Brian earlier, Brian really took care of me in the film room. You know, he was really on me. He really didn't say too much to David and Troy because, you know, these guys got it. They know exactly what they're doing. My thing was, okay, to take everything from Brian, and but I need to get all the information on the field with Troy and David. You know, Brian can't give that to me. There's a lot of things we can talk about in the meetings, but as a player, that part have to happen on, has to happen on the football field. You know, I got to be able to, okay, I know we said we're going to run a curl if this happened, but that's, if the defender's off me, I can't get all 12 yards. You know, me talking to Troy, like, hey, look here, do what you got to do, get up the field. If it's 10 yards, it's 10. Thomas will get you. You know, these type things happen when you have this type of leadership in your actual meeting room, you know, and and you fast forward to now, it's the leadership is still there, but you're looking at all these stars that's coming from college, thinking they're the man, and you got some leaders just like, look, I don't have this type of time to be wasting with this guy if he think he has it. You follow me? So you have a lot of that going on now. But myself, I was just trying to be a sponge. I'm trying to get on the football field. I'm trying to do everything I can to help the team. That is it. I'm the, I'm probably your best team player you ever meet because I'm all for it. As long as we're winning. And if we're losing, I feel like I need to do more. And, and that's just who I am. Hey, just do your job. All right? Hey, look, just do your job. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when you walk into a defending Super Bowl championship team and then yeah. miss the playoffs your rookie year, could yeah. you describe what the prevailing feeling in that locker room was in terms of that disappointment? 
Uh, we're clearly, you know, with the vet- the guys on the team, you know, that were there, the veterans, all the older guys, the Willies, the Teddy Bruskies, uh, the Ted Johnsons, all the guys, all my receivers in the room, Tom. I mean, you can really see it because guys knew that we left a lot on the football field, but it was a reason behind it. You, you get what I'm saying? Um, clearly, that next year, I can just say this right here. I wasn't there during the offseason with those guys. Uh, the year before, so my rookie season, I wasn't there during that time. They, I'm assuming they only had about 60 or so percent. That next season, we had 100 percent. And it all just kind of carried over into mini camp, training camp, regular se- preseason, regular season. And it was just so much momentum going into that year, you know. But you, we pay all the credit to what we did. Guys invested, you know, they trusted the exactly the plan. Here's the game plan. And like Bill said, at the end of the year, we had our post meeting. And the first thing he went to was that off season. You know, we can sit here and pout all day, but we know why we're here having our meeting now. And the rest of these morons are actually going to the playoffs. <laughs> it's a reason. And, you know, seriously, that's Bill. I know. And here's the reason. Here's the game plan starting March, March, whatever that date we started, like March 12th, March 13th, that off season program. Every guy on the team was here. And every, every guy on the team. Right. Every guy plus one, Dion. And I don't want to give him too much credit, um, but I've yeah. got to, we, I, we got to talk about him. And that's, you know, the 100% thing that you mentioned is critical. Get it. Mm-hmm. But when Rodney came in, and oh, yeah, especially sure. when training camp started, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how, you know, describe that. Because that had to be different than what, I mean, I know your first training camp, it's your rookie year. So again, yeah. you're completely um, underwater at that point in time. Mm-hmm, but how did, sure. how did Rodney change training camp that year, even with the whole 100% participation in the off-season program? Exactly. He just brought a different energy. And then here's a guy, you know, you know, Rodney is my big brother. Here's another guy who we added, another veteran, another Hall of Famer, you know, that you bring and thrust him within this program, this organization. Uh, it can only propel everything. And, you know, like you said, leading it to that training camp, uh, he was just more of a, a, a workaholic. You know, Roddy knows it. He knows exactly the his energy is very infectious. You know, it was some things that he was saying that the defense wasn't doing that he knew he can bring this to the table. He brought a lot of energy, a lot way more aggressiveness within the guys on it. The, they were already aggressive. They were already good. He took them to that great standard. You know, he pushed them and made them go to that point. At the end of our practices, you know, so we have all these different periods. No, this was the thing when you start noticing, like, okay, something's not right, right? Rodney would do scout team defense stuff. Then he would go and do the regular defense stuff. When the defense is starting out and then the scout team offense is out there. Okay, cool. He's out there. That's when he's supposed to be there. He tells the young guys, hey, I got this right here. And guys are sitting over there looking like, okay, you're supposed to be, let the scout guys do their job. No. Rodney's doing the scout team. He's doing the defense stuff. When special teams is going, he's running cross fields. And it started with one guy doing it, and next thing you know, it became a norm for everybody. This is without being said. Nobody had to say anything. You know, next thing you know, me and Troy and David was like, bump this. He's not getting an edge. That's the only thing we always talked about. Rodney's biggest thing is I'm always going to have the edge over you guys because you guys are not willing to put the work in. We know you're good, but you're not willing to put the work in. And that's when it took off. That was amazing. He, I mean, he light a fire up on everybody's behind. Did you have to have, you know, a, was your head on a swivel during camp when you were oh yeah, I mean, always, Especially when he hit Troy. I mean, you know, that's what really kind of kicked it off. It's like, and like I said, the scout team guys were supposed to be on the field. He hit Troy during a, you know, because the scout team guys would never touch Troy. And the first thing he said was, <laughs> when he hit him, it was like a fight erupted on the field. Bill got pissed. He knew it was going to happen. And there was really no reason for him to do it. But actually, he felt the reason to do it. And guess what? We all started practicing hard. And I know him and Bill laughed about that. I guarantee you, behind closed doors. I'm sure they did. They were laughing about that because he knew it did something for our offense. And they already knew it was going, what it was going to do for the defense. And next thing you know, we started actually having more competitive practices. And that stuff spilled over into the season. So there's a lot of things we all can point to, like, man. But that was one of the big key moments. 
So fast forward then, you guys were in the Super Bowl that year, right? Super Bowl 38. And mm -hmm. uh, I remember being down in Houston and passing Brian Dayball in the hallway. And I had just written a story for Patriots.com about how physical the Carolina Panthers' corners were and yeah. how they had manhandled the Eagles' receivers. So I'm walking through the hotel, and Dayball stops me. And he says, yeah. hey, keep writing that stuff. I want to <laughs> use it. So, so then in the game, Deion Branch scores a touchdown. David Given scores a touchdown. And the celebration is muscle flexes. Was that because <laughs> Brian Dayball was on you that week about how physical those guys were? Oh, my God. Dayball went, you know, now that was my second year. So that was his second year as a receiver coach. Uh, you know, he used to get up under David uh, D. Gibbs' skin as well. You know, he and I came in together. So David's just like, this guy get on my nerves. But that week of uh, in Houston, I think Bill made sure all of the coaches stayed on top of everybody. Every group, I need you all to give them per help. And they didn't. Brian was very young. Troy was pissed off the entire time. So I think we had so much frustration going at our coaches, and we took it out on the Eagles. You know, I, don't, I mean, out on Carolina, I'm sorry, I already went to the next Super Bowl. But out on Carolina players, you know, it was so much point of emphasis on these the defenders and what these guys are going to do. You know, as a player or not, as a retired player, I understand what Bill was doing, the mindset behind this, because practice really wasn't practice. He literally had guys holding us at the line of scrimmage. Like, how are we going to run a route in practice? Tom was frustrated the whole week, you know, because we couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. If, if he didn't have two guys in front of me, he had a guy holding my jersey as I'm trying to run a route. Dion, this is what it's going to be like. Like, you can get mad, and he's twirling that damn whistle. <laughs> you can get mad all you want. Like, look, this is what it is. And you look at Dave, all your position coach supposed to be, like, on your side, and he's just like, hey, I don't know what to tell you. That's just what it is. Well, so <laughs> You know, Dave, I may walk the other way, but I understand it now. I get the, the mindset behind it because it, we kind of over-prepared for it. And, you know, we get in the game, and, like, yeah, um, Manning tried that mess probably one time after he realized, all right, I can't really fool with Dion like this. You know, Ricky was the only one with trying to do that little quick jam stuff. You know, I mean, you got to think about it. We played one of the, the greatest quick jammer on the team was Ty. Ty was already doing that. You know, the only difference is just Ricky was a lot stronger than Ty. You know, so, but we were well prepared for it. And, and tr trust me, we appreciate the coaches for doing what they did. You talked about Tom being frustrated. So did he take his frustration out? Would Did you get hit harder from Tom after the touchdown when uh, he tackled you? <laughs> then you got hit during the rest of the game? I know, man. You know what? Honestly, I don't even think I felt it. <laughs> I didn't feel it at all. I mean, other than him grab, that's Tom, though. He's like that still till today. I mean, he's a little, he's pulled off a little bit now. He's just going up patting on the guy's helmet. You know, but Tom was that very passionate. I mean, we all, we all are. And and it was just something, it's the Super Bowl, you know, just you just let it all out, man. And, and you know, it was a perfect timing. We worked on that certain play all week and we hit D Gibb on the same exact play on the other side. You, you get what I'm saying? Cause yeah. we knew that these guys want to be so aggressive. This is going to be wide open. Even though we didn't get a good look in practice because Bill got guys holding us, it will, it will be there in the game. And it was, and, and, you know, we hit it. Uh, I mean, pretty much every touchdown that we did score in the game was one of those ones, even the one to Vrabel, the same thing in practice. We knew it would be there. We just got to make sure we hit it. And like Charlie said, I know we're not going to get an F and look because of this ish Bill doing, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but let's make sure we hit these plays. But yeah, that 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 slam dunk that Tom did on me, man, you know, it's one of, one of my big portraits that I do have in the house. Nice. You know, that's one of the keepers, man. That's and everybody always sees it like, what was he doing? What it look like? <laughs> so, so Dion, I have my opinion on this, but mine is really irrelevant. So I'll ask you yours. Mm -hmm. 03 or 04, which team was better? Oh, man. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to just say, I'm going to say the 04 team. If I got to say one, I, I really like to say both. I think it was equal. But I think to do what we did, to follow up what we had just did, it's the toughest thing ever because you know everybody's gunning for you. The NFL is going to try to shake this out, shake this up where you don't make it back, i.e. 
what they're going to try to do to the Bucks. They're going to try to shape this where you don't make it back. And and it was just a lot tougher. I mean, you know, we had our bumps and bruises throughout. But the the, the greatest thing about it is everybody stuck to the stuck to the game plan. We had a plan going into that year. And everybody stuck through it. Even though it was a lot harder, you know, we started sustaining a bunch of injuries here and there. Myself, I had a couple, I had an injury myself that year, missed a couple of games, and the guys still came through. Everybody, someone filled in, the next guy filled in. And I think that's the reason why I just say it was because it was a little bit tougher to kind of go back to back. That's the only reason because of that one year, it makes it so much harder to go back to back. Because everybody's you know, cutting you, for you. Yeah, I mean, you see it now. It's just not a right. common thing for the team to go back to back and win the Super Bowl. Kansas City thought they were going to do it. It's just not right. shaped out that way. Right. You know, it's always something. And can you be mentally strong enough and prepared for all the adversities that's going to come with it and, and sustain it and get through it? And I think that we did a great job with that, you know. Uh, and there was a lot of other internal things that were going on, you know, with, during that time. And, and we kind of we overcame that as well. So Corey, that's what I would just say. Huh? Corey Dillon going for 1600 didn't hurt. Yeah, it didn't hurt at all. It didn't hurt at all, for sure. I mean, you know, especially like you're saying, we lost Antoine, but we brought Corey in, you know. So it's like, yeah, we're, we're, adding, we're adding the pieces, if not getting better, you, you know, at that certain position. So that was a great thing. I'm going to be honest with you, too, as well. Even the following year, I mean, we all like, you know what? We can really do this. We can go, we can do, we can three-peat. You know, and that just goes to show you, it was even harder to do that. Well, you couldn't you know, overcome the mistakes. To... You couldn't overcome the mistakes in Denver, and even I, then, I know. Even then, you were the better team than Denver, and exactly. some lousy calls. I, I'm with you 100 yes. percent on that one. But I wanted to get back to you talk about bumps and bruises in 04, yeah. Dion, when you missed yes, a sir. decent chunk of time. Do you think that that was a blessing in disguise for you, based on the uh, postseason that you had? You know, like look, you don't want to miss time. You don't want to yeah. miss the continuity with Tom in the offense, yes, and then there's a bit of ramping up. But did you feel fresh as you headed into the postseason? Uh, honestly, no. And okay. the reason, yeah, but I do, and I really, yeah, I, I'm very thankful for the things, you know, I don't want to look at it as if I, you know, the injury helped me rest and my guys were out at war. I would have preferred to be out there with of the course. guys. You, you get what I'm saying? Of course. Um, but those seven weeks, man, they were brutal, you, you know, because it was a pretty bad MCL, you know, it was a real bad one. I mean, that was really like my very first serious injury that I've ever had. I mean, you tweak a hamstring, you're looking at two, three weeks. That's nothing. You know, but to have that on my knee, um, you know, the the rehab was brutal. So that's why I, I would say I wasn't as fresh as you think. Trust me. In the NFL, I would just say in New England, <laughs> you're better off practicing than going through the rehab. Because, see, the main objective is we're going to get you right, but we're going to actually overtrain you so that we know what you're about to go back on the football field and do. You know, to make sure that you don't go back down this alley again. I know it was a freak accident what happened, but our job is to make sure that you feel confident enough in your whatever injury you have. So we point to myself, that Kansas City game, I was so excited to be back on the football field, but I wasn't fresh. Because um, honestly, I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> we some weird guys. All players are just weird guys internally, mentally. Our problem was about... 85%. And that's really only because I'm going to put this on Coach Belichick. He said, you're not playing if you don't put that knee brace on. And I was like, I've been training the past two, three weeks. I'm cool. I don't need this. He said, you're not playing. You know, he did his, and I just fought him, fought him, fought him. And I realized, okay, this, this brother is going to stick to this. I am not going on the football field unless I put that knee brace on. That knee brace took me all the way down. Real talk, it was bad, but I, you know, it was a decent game. I was glad to be back on the field, but real talk, I wasn't fresh. Well, so, but I here's where I see fresh. I see somebody in the AFC Championship game waving goodbye to uh, Steeler <laughs> defenders. That looked pretty fresh to me. So I'm jumping and ahead, so and I think that was his second touchdown of the game. I'm jumping ahead a little yeah. bit. I understand that's not the regular season, but I saw somebody fresh who's literally waving goodbye <laughs> to the Steelers defenders. That looked pretty fresh to me. Hey, real talk. That was for my dad, even though I was doing it at my guy. Uh, who was that? Chris Hope? Yes. Chris uh, Chris and I are real close friends. 
you know, we came out of the draft together, but that was really for my father. He's a major Steeler fan. Oh, my uncles are Steeler fans. And <laughs> my dad was at the game. He was up in the stands and it, it was always this right here. Now don't, don't fault him because I understand he loves his Steelers and my uncles. We want you to have a good game, but we want you guys to lose. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you Yo, kidding me? He's like, I my dad. I said, Yo, bro, I can. We going to the Super Bowl. You going? Listen, I wouldn't have given him said, a ticket to hey, the Super Bowl. Then guess what he said? We are. No, nah, I'm cool. Nah, I'd rather just you have a good game, but y'all need to lose. I need my Steelers in the Super Bowl. I said, This guy is crazy. That's crazy. You think you make doing me a favor just to tell me? Uh, I hope you have a good game because I'm your son. But you want me to lose? <laughs> He's like, no, I want your team to lose. I'm not talking about you. Well, I'm with the team, Dad. He said, look, <laughs> son, I want my Steelers to win. I love my Steelers. I, I said, that brother's a diehard fan if he doesn't want to go to the Super Bowl. Wow. He said, <laughs> and, and, and his son goes out and catches a 60-yard touchdown pass and then scores on an end around. I know. I know. I can't imagine if he was cheering or what. I, I didn't ask my uncle, was he cheering? He said, no, nah, none of us were cheering. We were clapping, but we wasn't as excited as the fans that we were sitting with. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I remember, so uh, if my memory is right, we flew down um, because there was a storm yes, coming into early, New England yes. and had to get down to Pittsburgh early. So you didn't go yep. Saturday. We left Friday. And I remember being outside the ballroom. They allowed us to, to tape a little bit of one of the ballroom practices. Um, how, how sick was Tom? Uh, that Saturday, Dion, did you didn't have any doubts, did you? But I mean, was he was he legit sick before that? Game? Yeah, he, he was he was down. Yeah, he was down. But we we were, you know, he assured us that he'll be there. He's he'll be there. So our biggest thing is just to make sure, hey, yo, get all the rest you need to get. We know that you know exactly what you're doing. So we're not even tripping off that part. The, the only part that I would say is just more so worried about his health. You know, I think the game itself was going to play out how it did. I'm not going to say we would have done the same exact thing, but I still believe that we had their number. You know, we always felt very confident playing those guys. You know, it, it's always, and still to this day, it's certain teams that you feel like I, we have their, their number, but this team over here has our number for whatever odd reason. When we play these guys, it's always like a, a weird thing. Even though on paper we may be better, but for some reason, you know, and then we go out and execute the entire game plan. These guys have our number, you know, for whatever reason. But Pittsburgh was just one of those teams. I just felt like, you know, Coach Belichick and the staff did a great job. Every time we play those guys um, and we beat them in regular season, then we know what it is. We know exactly what it is. There's nothing that's going to be different. So, but as far as with Tom being sick, you know, we knew he he assured us that he'll be there. So we, we were pretty cool on that once that part happened. Dion, does being named Super Bowl MVP change your life or your legacy? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And it, it was the craziest thing ever. You know, like you said, just to go to that game itself. As, as players, we already know. I mean, you know, even as announcers, commentators, you know, whatever team wins the Super Bowl, who's going to get their award? So that was never a uh, a play that, you know, going into the game, you know, a lot of guys have dreams of going to the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl. You'll never hear a player outside of a quarterback saying, yeah, I'm dreaming to be an MVP one day. You know, that was just nothing that I ever had down as one of my goals, you know. But to have that, that it, it completely changed everything. I mean, even talking about it now, I still feel like I'm sitting on that bleacher, me and Troy and David, we're just sitting there talking. We're just hoping the defense hold up so we can win the game. Nobody's thinking about being the MVP at all. And uh, it was about eight guys standing behind us. And then one of the guys like, hey, get Dion, tap him. And Trump was like, yo, they want you. I turned around and the guy was like, hey, if you guys uh, hold off the next minute and 20 some seconds, you're the uh, MVP. And it was just like a whole, I don't know what it was. It was the craziest feeling ever. And, like, what made it even special is, like, all the offensive guys just came down. Everybody, look, now listen, the defense on the field, Philly is still driving. We don't know what may happen. We're over here celebrating already before the game is even over. You know, all the offensive guys, 
and none of the coaches know what's going on. You know, the receiver coach, Brian, is just like, hey, calm down. Everybody calm down. Like, he's sticking to the core. Like, the game the game isn't over. Next thing you know, Rodney intercepted the pass. Now it's like, ooh, it's a whole – it's pandemonium over here, man. It was so crazy. But just for that to happen that one particular moment, just to share that with my teammates, just to get the sudden news, that was – I mean, you can't replace that with nothing. A, that was crazy. It's a pretty exclusive club. Dion, I mean, there's been 55 of these games. I know Tom's probably won 100 of them. Super Bowl. Yeah, I know for sure, right? <laughs> so it's not like there's just 55. It's a pretty exclusive club. And I wonder, yeah. you know, as you're talking about, you know, we were joking earlier, you know, real estate mogul, Dion Branch, does that help open any doors for you? Like, is, uh, yeah, is, there for somebody, sure. is there somebody that recognizes, hey, wait a minute, Super Bowl mm-hmm. MVP, Dion Branch, let's do business yeah. with this guy. You know, does that help yeah. you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I, that would be a credit, but just winning the Super Bowl, I think just being a part of that class, I'll probably say have opened up way more doors. And then, you know, you can, that's the that's the extra icing on top of it. Like, oh, yeah, this is the MVP, da, 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 whatever. But it was naturally just like, oh, Super Bowl guy. Like, because everybody, I mean, they're pissed around here still to this day. Like, look, I'm done. Like, we can't even believe, what are you doing here? It's like, uh, my wife chose to stay here. Why we can't live here? You, you follow me? It's like the entire city. It's like a frown. I go to the Pacers games, and it's like so many people just mugging me. Like, what is the deal? I've been retired six, seven years now. What's the deal? Meanwhile, he's okay? got rings on both fingers. Right. Yeah. I, I, look, I feel bad. I don't even wear them, B. I just know, because just they kidding. may end up trying to jack, jack me for them. So <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I don't even put those rings on. But I, I think overall, the doors, because I think naturally everybody just – I want to associate with the, you know, winning program, sure. and I'm all for it. Hey, I take full advantage of it. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Absolutely, all my teammates. I love all my teammates. Thank you guys for this door that opened, you know, and you know, yeah, we get a lot of perks with it. Not only myself, some of the guys that you know didn't even touch the field get perks. Well deserved. You know, it's a beautiful thing. Yes, sir. Well deserved. Dion, my last question for you is just about, you know, the difference between playing here. And when you went to Seattle to play, you obviously came back. But yeah. could you just maybe talk about the difference in in how other programs, and in your case, the Seattle program, differs from the New England program? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, honestly, I, I go right to it, you know, and Bill harp on it and talk about this all the time, you know, um, just being accountable. That's that's the most important thing that we see every day walking in that building. Be accountable to yourself and to your teammates. You know, and it starts with it starts at the top, Mr. Kraft, Coach Belichick, to the coaches, to the players. You know, being respectful and all this stuff, and and be a high character guy. I'm gonna be honest with you. I was blessed to play with two first class organizations. That part we do know, we understand. What Mr. Paul Allen and those guys created over there, and God bless him. Um, coach Holmes was a great a great coach. I don't think. And I'm not talking about this. I don't just don't think some of the coaches that were under him were trying to match him. Unlike the coaches that's in New England, Bill challenged these guys all the time. I don't think Coach Holmgren really was challenging the coaches. I think that real talk, honestly, I think a lot of the guys were just contending in, with the situation they were in. Hey, I'm the linebackers coach. I'm the safety coach. I'm not saying they didn't take the job series, but I know what I just left, and I don't see it here, you know, with the coaches. You know, not saying Coach Hong, but some of the other position coaches, I just didn't see that. I didn't see the same drive. I didn't say, see the same. And see, what happens is it's coming from your head coach. He has to be saying something to these guys, but they're not relaying a lot of things to the players. And I always, and I say this as a joke, but I really meant it. I think that Coach Belichick drilled myself, all my teammates, and he challenged us so much. All the things that I was taught from Coach Belichick, I felt like I can go over here and coach this team. I truly felt that way. Like, you know what? I had so much in my brain. I've been taught so much by this guy. I can actually help coach this team here myself as a player by all the things that Coach Belichick and his his staff and everything has taught me. Uh, and that's just a credit to the, the things that Coach Belichick does. That's pretty much what it is. And on paper, I'm going to be honest with you, on paper, that Seattle team, especially in 06 and 07, was better 
they were better. And here's the difference: we were better on the on the I gotta say on paper, but when we touch the field, it's a little different. Now is that because it ain't that you got, these guys are not good athletes and all this stuff? It's just that what we're being taught by the overseers is not being to that level. We're not just getting the best out of these guys. In New England, they're going to get the best out of every opportunity for the ones that want to do it. Now, I can say, I can say the guys in Seattle, these guys wanted to do it. They wanted to be a part of like that championship. They want to see what that feel like. A lot of those guys, and I, I truly, I was, I was, I was praying and wishing for those guys that it happened for them when I left, because I felt like you know what, when I was traded back to New England, I, it was a relief. You know, I'm. I'm I'm sad I'm leaving my brothers, but that situation I was in just wasn't right. Especially when Coach Holmgren left, then you got Jim Mora, and then you bring Pete Carroll in. It's just a whole turnover. I'm like, this ain't what's up. This is not good. Mr. Allen, he deserved better. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. As, as, the, as the owner, he deserved better. And he was trying to get there. And, and I'm glad they got there at some point. Well, they think, made it. I think if you're writing the Dion Branch story, I think you would be surprised when you're writing the script and you go, wait a minute, he leaves New England, goes to Seattle. You're kidding me. He comes back yeah. and finishes his career in New England. I mean, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you must pinch yourself. Or I, I guess I should ask, do you pinch yourself? I know it didn't look at you lost um, in Indy, of course. Um, yeah. But could you have written a better script? Like, you had to go away and that hurt. But the fact yeah. that you're able to finish here – you know, yeah. is that kind of that that must have made you feel good. It couldn't have ended any better. You know, the only ending I think would have been even better was the the Super Bowl that we lost to the to the clowns. Yep. You know, yeah, that's the only thing I would say, because in my head, I was just sitting there saying, like, you know what? If When we win this game, I'm going to retire. I'm going to just end this story right here. And then by us not winning, I was like, oh, shit, I got to come back. I need to come back for another year. And, you know, we tried to make another run, da-da-da, it didn't happen. But, like you were saying, it couldn't have been any better, you know, especially when when Bill called me and said, hey, you ready to ret- you ready to come home? I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> you know, yes, sir. And at that particular time, I felt so bad because my little girls was getting, they were getting a little older, they were getting settled, da-da-da. And the worst experience ever, my kids just threw up and they were just, they were so sick. Uh, that we were leaving. I my the limo ride to the I didn't mean to say limo ride, I didn't say that, but the ride to, <laughs> I'm not flexing, so whoever here this, I didn't mean to say limo. The ride to the <laughs> the ride to the airport. The doggone driver was crying. My kids were throwing up in the car. You know, and we left Seattle uh Wednesday night, Tuesday or Wednesday night, and we landed landed back in New England, in Boston, what, that morning. Went straight to the, dropped them off at the hotel, went straight to the facility. Bill, I'm headed, all right, I'm coming over to take a physical. Bill has me this playbook, say, hey, learn whatever you learn, and you're playing Sunday. What? This is our initial approach. Yes, this is it. I say, yeah, nice to see you again, too, Bill. <laughs> you follow me? Like, yeah, here, here's wait, the playbook. Wait. That that was that was, a, that was after the the limo ride with the five course meal at oh, the airport and the private jet to New England. <laughs> yeah, but I, but seriously, Dion, think about this for a second. This is real life we're talking about. You know, yeah. Dad's got to move. Dad's got to go three thousand miles. My family's entrenched here. They love it here. Yes. I'm watching my daughters throw up in the yeah. ride to the airport. You get here. Bill throws you a playbook. You better produce. Yeah. And in that first game against Baltimore. First game. Did it make it all worthwhile when you when and, you, you know, score and you win and it was like, okay, maybe I can deal with my kids throwing up in the car. Maybe <laughs> this is gonna be okay because it's okay at work now. It's okay at work. It, it was already over. Hey, look, I'm a, I was dealing with it uh, when I got the phone call because I was so excited, but I also didn't know it was gonna have this effect on them. You know, but it it only took them about two three weeks. You know, they younger kids. They'll figure it out you know un- unfortunately now my oldest daughter she was born in uh new england my youngest was born in seattle it's a it's a household of madness when these two games go down it's a bunch of mess and my do- my oldest daughter you know she was the one that was doing the most crying and you know spinning up the most uh you can't say nothing bad about boston period 
one bad thing come out of my mouth. So I understood that part. But for all these things to happen the way it happened, it was only meant, I feel like, even Josh was on board with like, yo, I mean, not Josh, but Billy, Billy. was like, yo, we're going to get we're going to get you the ball. We're going to go ahead and get this out of the way because they knew it would happen. My wife told me after the game, she said, baby, I was just crying. All the people just running up to me. Like, we're just so glad we miss you guys. And I'm like, you just don't know we miss you guys. Trust me. You know, and I, I always said, I really wish we didn't have that four year gap, you know, because ain't no telling what we would have accomplished. Had not, I mean, clearly, I know I would be in the Hall of Fame had I had we worked it out. That's one thing I for sure know. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, not saying I was playing the game for that, but we would won maybe another three or four Super Bowls. You follow me? So that same year, they lost to the Colts. You know the situation with with bro. God bless Riche as well. Uh, I was just like, man, that was supposed to be me. And Tom hit me like, yo, did you see that? Hey, bro, I love you, but that was that was us. I, yeah, I know. You know, at that particular time, um, you know, the organization and myself, we just couldn't get on the same page. And no regrets, regrets, but I do wish we could have done that the right way. Yeah, I bet you. I tell you what, he's won a lot of games. Bills won a lot of games. You've won a lot of games. But I bet you that Colts game, that Colts mm-hmm. game, that keeps him up when they're having a tough time sleeping or they get yeah. jolted up in the middle of the night, that Colt game, and where yeah. were you for that game, that probably keeps him up at night. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure it does because, look, I still think about it too, you know, and guess what? I was in a different place. I'm over in Seattle, even though we didn't even make the playoffs, so I'm watching the game. But just to get the phone call from all my former teammates, okay, fellas, I've been gone for a whole season. And, like, guys are still thinking, like, we're supposed to be in the doggone Super Bowl. You know, it was more so like, hey, we knew this was going to happen. You know, we kind of felt like something like this was going to happen. And it's whether they want to blame it on me or they want to blame it on Bill. and I don't know. And, you know. But I apologize to my teammate, teammates. I don't know if Coach Belichick did, you know. <laughs> I don't know if he apologized to the guy. But we're not going to put it on that. But I, I wish, I really wish that that didn't happen, you know. Well, there was that no may way, be the only thing. And there was no way that team was losing to the Bears if they had beaten the Colts. Correct. But that's, that's revisionist oh, history. Sure. So. Well, he <laughs> is the former Super Bowl MVP. And, Dion, we thank you for joining us today. It's been awesome yes, catching up. Appreciate your yes, time. Sir. And we hey, should, thank you, brother. We, we, we should. Uh, we won't have any four-year gaps anymore. We'll just. Uh, That's for sure, we'll keep man. Keep it real here. Yes, sir, man. And let all the guys know, man. I'll be over there. Hopefully, we can strike up some sort of deal. We can work something out. But we'll we'll figure that part out later. Great, Dion. Be well, and thank you so much for your time. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Dion. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.